Ephesians chapter 5. Remember our last session, we closed with those two verses. Put away all wrath and anger and bitterness with all malice and be kind, tenderhearted, forgiving. That's the kind of people we need to be. There is so much hate in our country. I cannot understand it. I believe that we've come to a point where if you don't hate who I hate, then I hate you. The division is getting wider and wider. And it's really based on politics. No, it's really not based on politics. It's based on people. The hate for some of our people who are leaders or past leaders like Donald Trump is incredible. And God says, put all that away. Get rid of it. Let me forgive you and cleanse you of all unrighteousness and be kind, tenderhearted. Wouldn't it be wonderful to live in a world where people were kind and tenderhearted and forgiving and not just filled with hate and bitterness and greed? I've decided that greed is gonna be what destroys us. All my life I've had to live on a budget. I've liked it because it gave me a boundary I knew what I had and what I could spend, and I was careful, and I was always comfortable. Even though I never had a whole bunch of money, I didn't need it. I had exactly what I needed, and I used it according to the budget that Sam and I made for each other. Now, he tells us to do that, and then to be followers of God as his children. You see, you have to do that. You have to practice verse 31 of chapter 4 to become verse 32 of chapter 4, and then you can be followers of Jesus Christ. You can't say you follow him in hate and, and are bitter and resentful. And it says, walk in love. Oh, remember one of the characteristics of love is found in 1 Corinthians 13. Love hardly notices when others do it wrong. Isn't that funny? Sam always said, I'm glad the word hardly is in there because you can't help but notice. You'd have to be dead if you didn't notice when people do you wrong. But if you hardly notice, then you deal with your reaction to their wrong and you move on in life and you don't look back and you don't harbor a grudge. And every time you see them, you remember what they did or what they said. God forgives us. We don't deserve it. He loves us unconditionally and asks us to love each other that way. He has loved us and he gave himself for us in verse 2 of chapter 5. And listen to verse 3. Listen carefully. The first word is but. Conjunction of contrast. All of you that have listened to me before know that's one of my favorite words in the Bible. I have two favorite words. If is one and but is the other. They're very important to me. And if you looked at my Bible, you'd find those underlined or circled in red. Fornication and all uncleanness or covetousness. Let it not be once named among you as becometh saints. You know what fornication means? Sex without marriage. 
And the Bible says, flee it. Oh my goodness, how it breaks my heart that it's almost a way of life in America today among the youth. It's almost a way of life. I was brought up, I guess, to be a prude, but thank goodness I was. Thank goodness. It wasn't a way of life when I was a young girl 65 or 70 years ago. Boy, things have really changed, haven't they? And I don't think they've gotten better. They've gotten worse because we've gotten away from the Word of God. Put it away, he says. Don't have sex before you marry. That is what God has to say. I didn't write it. It's not a rule I came up with. It's a rule God came up with. And the immorality in this country is forcing God to take his hand off of us because he said he would. You turn from me, even though you are my child, you turn from me and I will eventually let you go and let you go according to the lust of the flesh. Do what you want to. When it's wrong, there are consequences. When it's right, you enjoy what you did. Neither filthiness nor foolish talking. How much of our conversation today is foolish? You know what fool is? It's empty without knowledge. Children are foolish because they're immature, not because they don't have a good mind. They don't have information and they don't have experience. Therefore, they're foolish. And that's why children should not be allowed to make certain decisions concerning what they're gonna do. That's a parent's responsibility. My children are not, nor have they ever been perfect. I don't pretend that to be true. But I thank God that I was told that I will get what I inspect, not what I expect out of them. And I observed them growing up. I was up when they came home. I looked at the pupil of their eye. I smelled their breath. I, I knew what they had done because I looked at them. Foolishness. Most of our conversation is empty. Jesting, which are not convenient. But give thanks. He says, rather give thanks. I was just talking to my friend from college and we were saying how thankful we are to God for our husbands. Her husband's still alive and, and he's a wonderful man and they have a wonderful marriage. They're both my age and they're, they're just loving each other. And I said to her, can you believe that God brought these two men to us? And she said, no, I can't. We didn't even know him. We weren't Christians when we met and married. But look back, we have so much to be thankful for. That's what God wants us to spend our time doing, thanking him, not griping or complaining or being fearful. In verse five, it says, for this you know that no whoremonger now, if I use that word, my mother would punish me, but it's in the Bible. 
nor unclean person, nor covetous man who is an idolater has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Now, I really don't know what that verse means, really. But I do know once you're saved, you're always saved. No matter what you do, Christ doesn't leave you, because he tells us that in many, many places, in Romans especially, nothing can separate you from the love of God. I know that. I also know that we're headed to the judgment seat of Christ. And I know that we're going to be rewarded because the Bible tells us so. We're going to be rewarded for what we let the Spirit of God do in us for our obedience. Now, I don't know what this means, but it says inheritance. And I'm wondering, your life lived as a child of God determines the rewards you receive when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ. And I, I've told you before, I go back to Christmas when my children were small. Christmas Eve was a miserable night for me because I was worried that I didn't get what they wanted, the children. I didn't get equal to everybody. What if one is happy and the other one is sad? I wanted so much for them to get up on Christmas morning and have a wonderful day because they got everything they wanted. Now that was just an earthly lost mother. If I feel that way or felt that way about my children, how am I gonna feel when I stand before Jesus Christ with nothing to give him? Because I know the Bible says the rewards we receive, we in turn lay them at his feet. And we should be happy that we have something to give him because of what he did. And so I believe the way we live our life determines what we get. Now we'll get heaven and we'll be there for all eternity. And that's gonna be good enough. But I know me, I'm gonna to wanna to give him something. And how I live my life determines what I have to give him. And verse six in chapter five says, let no man deceive you with vain words. Don't listen to empty words from people. Dr. Brandt told me, if I have a Bible verse to back up what I tell you, I have an answer for your question. If I can't back up what I say with a verse, I just have an opinion. And he went on to say, I don't care if you give people your opinion, but don't tell them it's an answer. Boy, that gave me great confidence when people come to my house for my advice. If I don't know a verse, I don't have any advice for them. And that has forced me to study the Bible and learn what it says, because I do want to help people. I've talked to some desperate people in my lifetime and to be able to encourage them with truth. And that's what I want for those of you that listen to this podcast. I have over 85,000 people or hits on this podcast, not people, but some of you have listened to many of them. And that is exciting to me and that motivates me to do it again and teach over and over the Bible. But I want you to share it with others and don't listen to vain, empty words from anybody, including me. 
And listen to what this verse says. Because of vain words comes the wrath of God upon the children of disobedience. Isn't that something? Vain, empty teaching will cause God's wrath to come upon you. Be ye therefore not partakers with them. Don't listen to empty, vain teaching. I heard a man on television this morning. I couldn't believe what he said. He said, you have no place in your life for psychology. You have, your mind should be filled with the Word of God. I couldn't believe he said that. Because when I decided I wanted to be a counselor, I really wanted to help people. I applied for school at Georgetown University. I had to have recommendations from three people. I sent one of those sheets to Dr. Henry Brandt. He called me and said, what is this I got in the mail? I told him, I said, I'm gonna go to school while we live here. I'm gonna get my degree in counseling. Henry said, what kind of counselor you wanna be? And I said, oh, Christian, of course. And then he made a statement that shocked me. He said, Mary Glenn, you don't have enough years left in your life to get the garbage out of your mind that, that a psychology degree will put in there. He said, if you wanna be a Christian counselor, you need to be a biblical Christian counselor. You can be a Christian counselor and use the counsel of the world. But if you want to be a biblical Christian counselor, he said to me, you spend the next two years studying the Bible. Just take the hours that you would be in class and take them into the Word of God and study. And he said, then I'll teach you how to listen and I'll teach you how to use those verses. How thankful I am. Well, I had another phone call that interrupted me. And so I'm going to conclude the lesson. And hopefully my son can put it all together. It says the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness and righteousness and truth, proving what is acceptable unto the Lord. You can prove what is acceptable unto, unto the Lord if you experience the fruit of the Spirit, which is goodness and righteousness. I'll conclude now. Hopefully Sam can put this all together for, for me and for you. God bless you and thank you for listening.